0: Alright, well good morning everyone. Nice to see each one of you here. Thank you for being here. Uh, welcome uh, to Quarter Baptist Church and uh, God is so good. What a good and appropriate song uh, to be singing. Uh, I have much before. I know many of you uh, have been praying for my daughter and she was released from hospital uh, Wednesday night. In fact, I think it was about the time uh, church was uh, right during the middle of church, I think it was uh, that when she got released, and so I certainly appreciate um, all of the, our churches' uh, your prayers on our family's behalf, the amount of uh, text messages, the amount of cards, the amount of gifts. I think uh, this was Christmas version two for Lily. She got more gifts in the past week than I think she got probably for the last two Christmases and so uh, the love of everyone uh, clearly shown and so I really appreciate that you know with everything that's going on in our country and uh, we all have things going on in our lives I am thankful that uh, every good thing and every uh, perfect gift the Bible says is from above God uh, God gives us those, and the verse goes on um, and ends and I like the the ending of the verse, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning and that is that is God he doesn't have uh he, his opinion doesn't change um, he doesn't change in fact, and uh, though his word uh, the written word that he's given us, the Bible, the Bible doesn't change, and because of that. We can build our lives around his, uh, the solid rock, as we sing. And so I certainly am thankful for that. Well, this morning, I'd like for you to take your Bibles, if you have them. If not, uh, you can. M- most of the scriptures we're going to be reading are just going to be up on the screen, so you can follow along with that. But we're going to start in Matthew chapter number 18. Matthew chapter number 18. And uh, we have a question this morning we're going to study how lost are the lost and in Matthew chapter number 18 the earlier part of the chapter we see that Jesus is speaking to his disciples and um, talking about uh, the kingdom of heaven the disciples were very interested in uh, how the kingdom of heaven the coming kingdom and who was going to rule who was going to reign with with Jesus there, and uh, Jesus goes in and talks about salvation and talks about little children and how really when for a person to get saved, they have to really have a very simple faith. You understand salvation is not complex. Uh, God's gift of salvation is very simple. That It's so simple you don't have to have a, a college degree. You don't have to have a doctorate or Anything of that, you really just have to have. We call it a childlike faith. Trust God. Trust His word. Say it's true, and I'm going to believe it. And um, that's really what Jesus was trying to get across to the disciples. But He talks about earlier on in the chapter about offenses, and um, you know uh, the the um, just how serious it is to offend. Um, children and uh, in them not coming to know Christ as their savior but I want to pick up in verse number 11 Matthew chapter number 18 and verse number 11 Jesus uh, tells us this he speaks to speaking to his disciples here he says for the son of man that's him Jesus came to save that which was lost How think ye, if a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and go into the mountains, and seek that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine, which uh, went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Uh, Let's ask the Lord's blessing on the few moments that we have as we study his word. Our dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. I thank you for a place where we can meet. I pray that you would uh, just watch over us. Uh, Be with us as we study your word. Be with the other Sunday school classes as they're are taking place. I pray that it would be a time of edification, a time of encouragement, but also a time of challenging, that we would see your will for our lives uh, through the scriptures, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the way we look at people determines the way that we deal with people when Jesus looked at people, when he walked on earth, the way he looked at people, the Bible tells us he, he was moved with compassion as he looked out amongst the people. And, you know, so too with us. The way we look at people, the way we view them, really determines how we how we deal with them. Now, when Jesus, uh, over in uh, John chapter 4, you can turn there if you'd like, but John chapter 4, a very familiar story here of when uh, the disciples and Jesus, um, or this is the story of uh, Jesus dealing with the woman at the well, at Jacob's well. And one of the things that we see in that story, most of you I'm sure have heard of this, they're uh, traveling and Jesus uh, meets the woman at the the well there. Uh, But one of the things we see with the disciples is that they were very self-centered during that. Uh, John chapter 4 and verse number 8, it tells us that while Jesus met with the woman there at the well, what did the disciples do? They went off into the city to go buy meat. You see, the disciples were very concerned. Uh, They were uh, about their physical need. They were hungry. And that's uh, a a very valid physical need. But nonetheless, the disciples were self-centered. They wanted to get some food. And uh, Jesus, though, uh, was focused on the woman at the well. The other thing we see and know about the disciples about that encounter is when they came back and saw Jesus talking with the woman at the well, what is it that they said? Well, in chapter 4 and verse 27, the Bible tells us this. That is, Jesus had dealt with the woman there at the well. Verse 27 of John chapter 4, the Bible says, And upon this came his disciples. So they came back from going to the city to buy meat. And it says this, And they marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, Why seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? Now, why did the disciples marvel? Uh, And they didn't say this out loud, but Jesus knew their thoughts. Why did they marvel? Well, Jesus was, not only was he speaking with a woman, he was speaking with a Samaritan woman, Jesus being a Jew. And so, really, you can see how they viewed that woman with prejudice. They were focused on themselves, they were prejudiced, and they were really careless because at the very end of that chapter, verse 35, it's Jesus now uh, in, is rebuking them or really teaching them. He says this in verse number 35, Say not ye that there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. Jesus is telling his disciples, don't think there's still there's time. Don't think that you have four months. They were careless of this woman's real need. Her real need, when you read the story, her real need was not water from a well. It was the living water. Her real need was spiritual. Jesus was focused on that, but we see the way the disciples viewed her was much, much different. And it this is what we're really, I, I wanted to start our lesson with, um, and really what it's talking about. Getting back to our text, here in verse number 11, Matthew chapter number 8, verse number 11. In our text here, we read of the, the singular mission of Jesus Christ. It says this, For the Son of Man is come to save that which is lost. You see this? This is the mission of Jesus Christ, to save that which is lost. Understand this. Jesus did not come to begin a new religion. That's not why Jesus came. He didn't come to be the foundation of Christianity, some new religion. Although the Bible does tell us that He is the author and finisher of our faith, we do um, preach and teach. Uh, That, but that is not why Jesus came. Jesus did not come to improve the kingdoms of this world. Boy, don't we need that nowadays? Wouldn't it, I mean, if Jesus came, that's actually what the disciples thought. They thought he was going to establish a kingdom at that point. No, they were mistaken. Jesus did not come, his first advent to earth, he did not come to establish or better a kingdom on earth. He didn't come to be a great teacher, although what did man say when they listened to Jesus teach? They said, boy, um, and we know Jesus was an excellent teacher, a wonderful teacher, to the point where they said never man has, has spoken like this before. So he was a good teacher. No, what does the Bible say? Why did Jesus come? Was it to improve the kingdoms of the world? Oh boy, we need that today, but that's not why he came. Verse 11 says, "He came to save them that are lost." Over in 1 Timothy chapter one, verse 15, Paul said, "This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Jesus or Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. This was Christ's sole mission, in coming to earth that is why jesus came was to save the lost save the lost now we also recognize that this is also the singular mission that jesus gave to his churches corridor baptist church's mission its singular mission ought not to be the building of a building although that is that is what we're moving forward to no the singular mission of Christ's churches is to save the lost. John chapter 20 and verse 21, Jesus is speaking this to his disciples. as Right before he leaves this earth and goes back up into heaven, it says, Then Jesus said unto them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me. Now we established why did Jesus come. It was to seek and to save the lost. He says, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And so this is where we learn of what is the singular focus. What is the mission of the church? It's the same mission that Jesus had. And it involves, uh, or what does it involve? Well, it's the great task of winning the lost. That's why Jesus came. And that's what he, why he established the church. It is to win the lost. And that involves preaching the gospel of Christ so that men believe on Christ and so that they will receive eternal life. To save that which was lost. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean everyone? To save that which was lost? That means everyone, right? Well, truthfully, not according to, to many, uh, or to to the current thinking of many and what do i mean by that well you know we often incorrectly think that some people are off limits oh well i know you know um there are you know there are those that we know that maybe they're catholic or maybe they're jewish and um they have their religion and uh you know they seem to believe it they're sincere in it so you know they they don't They're not lost. They've got, they found something. It's close enough. What about our family members? Are they off limits? Well, sometimes we tend to think, well, I don't want to bring up, uh, bring up Jesus to my lost family because what will that mean? Um, Co-workers. You know, even in our minds, sometimes we think, well, you know, we need to, preach the gospel we need to share the gospel with those that are really they're really just rotten sinners the heathen um the savage those that are down and out they have no hope they need the gospel but those that are religious those that are have their lives put together those that are respectable there or or those that maybe have already been evangelized no I, i i don't have to worry about them you know, when we study the scriptures, we know this is not true. We know this isn't true. Sometimes sometimes what we know, you know, in our head and believe in our heart are different. You know, so often I don't know if this is the case with you, maybe it's just me. You know, I we know uh we we what we what we know in our head and believe in our heart are different. We And you know where this is seen? It's seen in our actions. So the question this morning is how lost are the lost? The spiritual condition of man is the foundation of true missions. A right understanding of the nature of the lost is so important to have. And um, so first of all, I want us just to consider the cause of being lost, the cause. Now over in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, I think this uh, really explains the cause of being lost the best, and this is the parable of the lost son, uh, or the prodigal son. We, we all know the story of the prodigal son, and how this man, his father, had two sons, and One of the sons came to the father and said, hey, I would like my inheritance. Um, And the father said, are you sure? You know, uh, uh, and he got pressure, pressure. And so he finally gave one of his sons, the younger son, the portion of his inheritance. And what did he do? Well, he immediately left home, went into a far country, and spent it all, wasted the inheritance and through the process of time uh, he wasted it all and was broke found himself in a pig pen and realized the fact that you know what the servants of my father have a better life than i do so he repented he went back to his father and in verse 24 of luke chapter 15 I think this really explains the cause of being lost. It says this. The father says this For this my son, and he's rejoicing. His wayward son has come back. He's come back. He says this For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now, was the prodigal son really dead? Of course not. No, he was alive. But, notice this, the father said, well, when he was away from me, when he was out of touch, when I didn't hear from him, he might as well have been dead. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1 tells us this, when we get saved, we are made alive spiritually. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You're made alive. And the cause of being lost. We have to understand that all men, all women are this way. They are lost. They are spiritually dead. Romans chapter number five and verse 12 tells us this. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for That all have sinned. By one man, that one man was Adam. When Adam sinned, every descendant of Adam, every child, it started with Adam and Eve, their children, Cain and Abel, they were sinners. That sin passed down. And and we see this. Um, All men, all women are this way, they are lost. And some things about this, it really it begins at birth. We are sinners by birth. Some scripture here in uh, Psalm 51, verse 50, the Bible tells us this. The psalmist writes, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. Iniquity is sin. And in my sin did my mother conceive me. You know, uh, as wonderful as it is when a when a, a couple um, has a child, or the the mom, as the child growing in the womb, you understand. The Bible says that's a sinner. They're shapen as that little life um, begins to form and shape. They're shapen in iniquity. In fact, it happens at the point at conception. It says in of chapter fifty eight, verse three, and the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go away. Uh, as soon as they be born, speaking lies. And so from the moment of conception, at the moment of life, we are lost spiritually. We are lost spiritually. We're sinners by birth. Men are this way. They're also sinners by nature. It's in our nature. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says, "...the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked." Who can know it? Nothing you can do to change your nature. Um, And you can't. You you can you can have a heart surgery, right? But what do they do if they uh, take out your heart and put in another one? They're putting in another deceitful heart. That is in our nature. All men are this way. They're all lost. They're sinners by birth, by nature they're also sinners by choice John 3:19 and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil they're also sinners by deed James 4:17 therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin by deed or by not doing that which is right and so it is important to note that the cause of being lost all men are this way all men are lost all men and women are lost from from really from the point of conception they're lost but it goes beyond that by choice by their deeds and here's the thing to understand Men aren't sinners because they sin. You and I are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. And so that is, that is all men. People sin because they are sinners. And this sin is what breaks fellowship with a holy God. The book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah tells us this in 59, verse number one. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, neither his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you. What is it that separates man? What is it that separates the loss from a holy God? It's iniquity. It's sin. And this sin also prevents man from entering heaven's uh, uh, glory. The book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 27, tells us that there shall in no wise enter anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. And so, man is a sinner that is why they sin sin is what separates them from having that fellowship with a perfect holy god and it's sin that prevents a person from entering the gates of heaven you know it's a great myth uh to to think that oh well god wouldn't send the heathen to hell no it, god doesn't send anyone to hell It's sin that sends a person to hell. Man is born that way. And um, it's their nature, and man chooses sin. But uh, the, the question that we have, and so it's important to understand the cause. Why is man lost? Well, man is lost because they are sinners, sinners from birth, sinners by choice, sinners by what they do. It's in their nature. That's the cause of being lost. But then the question is, is how lost are the lost? We know all men are sinners. All men are sinners, and we know that all sinners are lost. But just how lost are they? How lost are the lost? Is there hope? You know, is there hope? They're lost. Is there hope or a chance for some? Are there degrees of lostness? <laughs> you know, here's what we know about the lost. Um, I'm just going to give you seven things with some scripture. <clears throat> we know when we're talking about those that are lost, we know that they are lost enough that there is no hope. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 tells us, Wherefore, remember that uh, ye being in time or pass, uh, in time past, Gentiles of the flesh, who were called on circumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made of hands. Verse 12, that at the, that time ye were without Christ, being aliens of the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You see, what this verse is really talking about is separate from Christ. There is no separate plan of salvation. There is, uh, you understand, without Jesus Christ, there is no hope. Now, many today, many today that are lost, they're born that way. If they don't have Christ, they may be looking for another solution. They may Uh, be looking for another way to get to heaven or obtain favor with God. But this verse uh, is written actually to the Christian, and it's saying, "Remember, remember in the past, you were without hope because you were without Christ. Without Christ, there is no hope. The lost have no hope if it weren't for Jesus Christ. So we know that they are lost enough that there is no hope. It's not that they're just going to magically wake up or when they die and be in heaven. No, it's not going to work that way. They're lost enough that they don't know the way. They, may try, they try to find the way also in the book of Ephesians. Uh, we were in Ephesians chapter 2. Now we're in chapter number 4 and verse 18. It says, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. And we see this in a lot. We see this in the world a lot today. Um, You know, public opinion. Uh, expert opinions, they change all the time, do they not? <laughs> Public opinion, the it, it changes. Experts, I mean, boy, the this past year in 2020, it's still going on. It's constantly changing. They don't know the way. You know, people are blinded and depressed. They're looking for peace. They're looking for hope spiritually though they don't know the way man on his own cannot find the way they're lost they're lost enough that they are in imminent peril this is this is uh important to know john chapter 3 verse 36 those that we come in contact with we need to uh, have an understanding of the lost they don't have hope. They don't know the way. They're not going to find it on their own. But also that they are in imminent, imminent peril. John three thirty six says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. What this verse tells us is that judgment judgment hangs over their head. They don't don't know that, but it's true. They're ignorant of this fact, so what do the lost do? They go on living their life, not even realizing they're one heartbeat away from eternity. Now the scriptures say that the judgment of God, the wrath of God abides over them. They don't know that. They don't know the danger, the peril that they are in spiritually number four they are lost enough that they have no excuse Romans uh, chapter number one and verse 18 verse 18 I'll read the I'll read all three verses to you on the screen I just put uh, one and a half of them but it says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifested in them for God hath showed it unto them. Verse number 20 it says, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead. So... That they are without excuse. The lost cannot, they will not stand before God one day saying, well, I had no knowledge of that there was a higher power. I had no knowledge that there was a God who created me, who created all that I, th- this whole world. No, the God says that in separate scripture, it's written in their hearts. They know. They know there's a God. They know. And God has manifested all of this to them. Why? So that they will be without excuse. No one will be able to provide an excuse to God when they stand before him in judgment. Inherent with all people is this fact that this world didn't come about by by, uh, by chance on its own. You know, the... the we're going to talk about this the lie of satan evolution is one of those lies it's removed god from the picture but you see that if you believe in evolution you're not going to be able to provide that to god and say well i was i just i was convinced that science told me uh, evolution and uh that's why i didn't believe in you god no god says no I've given you so many things. It's, it's inherent within you. Man knows that there is a God. A couple more, a few more. How lost are the lost? Here's what we know about the lost. They're lost enough that they cannot please God. Nothing the lost does will please God. Romans chapter 8, verse number 8. You know, many lost uh, people... They try to please God, and they they, um, they do a lot of good deeds. They Maybe it's through charity, maybe it's through um, good works. A lot of people say, well, I'm going to be very religious, and I'm going to try to please God that way. But the Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 8, really tells us that pretty black and white. It says, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Also Romans chapter 7 and verse 18 says, uh, Paul wrote, for I know that is within me, that that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. And so within our flesh we really are destitute of, of of the love that is required to please God we can't serve God we can't please God in our flesh those that are lost those that are without Christ there is no way that they can please God now they may have flesh that is beautiful they may have flesh that is strong it might be educated it might be religious It might be well-fed, well-clothed, but flesh is flesh. It's still flesh. The lost are lost enough that without Christ, they will perish. Over in Luke 13, verse 3, it says, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And um, Jesus says again, "I, I tell you, nay, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Without Christ, they will perish. And then finally, finally, the last point here, how lost are the lost? They're lost enough that Jesus would go after just one of them. Look in our text. We'll get back to Matthew chapter number 18. Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 12. Jesus says, how think ye if a man have a hundred sheep, one hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray? Doth not he leave the ninety-nine and go into the mountains and seek that which is gone astray? This really shows us, Jesus is teaching us here, the importance of each one of us. Each person is important one person is precious enough that if that if uh, to Jesus that you understand jesus would have gone to the cross for one person he didn't he went to the cross for everyone but one person is valuable enough to christ jesus would go after just one that is how lost the lost are In conclusion, in our text, we can see God's will. What is God's will? Well, look in verse number 14. It says, Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Jesus was teaching the disciples here, because when you read earlier in the chapter, he's talking about little children. Little children who are lost and them coming to know Christ as their Savior. Each child, each lost person is valuable to Christ. And it's God's will that not one of them will perish. Without Christ, they will perish. But God's will is that they won't. Now, we also read of Satan's will. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, in verse number 3, what is the one thing that a lost person needs shined in their life? It's the gospel message. They need their sin revealed. To, they need to realize that they're lost first. The prodigal son came to the point in his life when he realized he was lost. He was destitute. He was, uh, his life was a mess and he realized, if I go to the Father, I can have a better life. And he did that. But the gospel is the light. And it says this, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. you understand? If you know the gospel message, the good news, you know what Jesus did. If you are saved this morning, you have the gospel. You have Christ, the Holy Spirit, living within you. You understand, the gospel's not hid to you. But we as Christians, we can hide it from others. We can hide it from those that are lost. And that's what this verse is talking about. If our gospel be hid, it is not hid to us. It's hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You know, our lost family, our lost co-workers, they're blind to the gospel. It's God's will that no lost person would perish. It's Satan's will to hide the truth from the lost people. So the question this morning, the final question is, what is your will? What is your will? We know God's will, it's very plain, it's very simple. It's that not one person, one lost person, will perish. Satan will do his very best to say, you keep the gospel to yourself. You don't shine it. Shine that light, the glorious gospel, the gospel that can save the lost person, You keep it to yourself. Don't shine it. That's Satan's will. Hide the truth. God says, no, my will is that not one should perish. How lost, I I started the lesson by saying the way we view people really impacts how we interact with them. How lost do you think the lost are? The way you look at people determines how you'll deal with them. Do you see them for who they really are or what they really are? Lost. Do you see people as lost the way God sees them? You see, rightly understanding the spiritual condition of man is the foundation for seeing the world the way God sees them. Jesus came to save the lost. He came to save you. He came to save me. He came to save each person that we come in contact with. My prayer this morning for myself, for you, is that we all would see the world as God sees it and have concern enough to be a light in what is quickly becoming an increasingly dark world. So that's the challenge this morning. I hope that it was a blessing to you. And uh, we'll conclude the the Sunday school hour at this time and uh, prepare for the morning service. So you are dismissed.